Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haperset would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. I look at the Christian life is like a kid. When we deliver a baby, that baby will grow little by little, little, and eventually become a mature man or adult. So therefore, as believers, we should not judge one another. We should not point finger to one another because we all in the process of maturity and growing. Sometimes I know that in the Western society, we look for perfection. Sometimes the church have to hire professional musicians. And come and play to entertain you and entertain everybody, and everyone come and have good time listening. But what happened? The members never grow because you hire somebody to play to entertain people. For me, I rather have people to come up and make some mistake, but they're growing and they're learning because that's the process of growing that we involve, we serve, we make mistake and change. The church is a family; it's not a Movie theater that come to show to somebody. It is a process of growth. Therefore, I want you to have the mind of Christ to think about the kingdom in a different way from the system of the world. The world system is entertainment and make you happy, but God's system is to make you grow and to shape you up to become a strong believer. Amen. <laughs> I have a big message to share with you today, tonight. And hopefully, I can finish tonight, so I can preach another message in Torrance, California, in LA. But if I cannot, I will continue tomorrow at noon at uh, River of Blessing Church. I hope I can finish tonight. It's a big lesson to learn, but it's so important lesson. Very simple message, but if you get it, it will change your life forever. Amen. And this message really has changed my life. And I pray that after you listen to this teaching, number one, you will love Jesus more than before. Amen. And that's very important. Christianity is about love. He loved you first. That's why he sent his son to die for you. He loved you first. That's why he gave the rain, the sunshine. He gave you job. He take care of you, and he has shown his love in actions. That is true, Jesus Christ, and our responsibility or our response should be we love Him back. And after you listen to this message, I hope you love Him more, and you will live for Him in this short life that we have on earth compared to eternity. Our life on earth is very short, relatively short. We don't want to waste our time on earth here. And not only that, not only that, you love Him more. Number two, I believe and pray that you will have more faith, and you will understand what belongs to you. Have you heard the story about people who sat in the apartment and poor and have no money to spend, and one day that person died, and find out later on that there was a big box of cash. Under the couch that this, he sit every day, so he has money all along, but he never knows that the money was under the couch. 
The same thing. A lot of believers don't know what belong to them. A lot of believers don't know what Jesus has done for them. Therefore, they live their life on earth defeated and lacking because they don't understand what belongs to them. In this teaching, I will talk about one of the most powerful event of the world history, and that event is crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ that happened 2,000 years ago. That unique historical event changed our life. The death of Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. Before I preach, I would like to read Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. I will explain to you. Hebrews 10, 14. Father, thank you so much for teaching us this afternoon to understand your will, your purpose, and your plan for all of us, Lord. May you, Lord, ignite the spirit of your people who are sitting in this room and who are listening in the YouTube or in the podcast, that their spirit will be lit up, will be enlightened and know your will and will, Lord, walk by faith and understand what belongs to them, Father. Thank you, Father, in the wonderful name, the name Jehovah, Lord, the name Joshua Hamakshir, Jesus, Lord Christ. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 say, Because by one sacrifice, sacrifice means the death of Jesus at the cross. He, means Jesus, has made perfect forever. Everyone say forever. forever. From now to eternity, forever. Those who are being made holy. If I want to say in a simple way, it means this way. By the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross, we who believe in him, who have been made holy by the Holy Spirit, who is following God, shall be made perfect by that sacrifice. How many people understand the word perfect? Perfect. God wants to make us perfect. Perfect in health. Perfect in finances, perfect in relationship, perfect in our emotion, perfect in our job, our profession, perfect in our marriage, in our raising kids, everything perfect. And it starts now as we walk with Jesus and will continue to go on in this process. It's a process of taking us to perfection until we completely perfect when we get to heaven. So the event at the cross, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, make us perfect or change our life. In other words, if I say it in a simple way, all human beings on earth have needs. We all have needs. And all the needs that we have are met by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ at the cross. That's what the Bible tried to say in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. Every single need of every human being is met by Jesus' sacrifice. And we're going to study about this in this afternoon and tonight and maybe on Sunday. And Paul, make a conclusion or make a summary 
by saying in Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 he make a conclusion and my god will meet all your needs all your needs financial need emotional need physical need job need family need parenting need all kind of needs okay according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus by Christ Jesus by his sacrifice all your needs and my need will be met through Jesus that's why after i preach this teaching i pray that you will love Jesus more because you know what he has done for you thank god in order to meet our need god did not offer us many different solutions he offer us only one all sufficient solution only one everyone say one, one. All, sufficient. all sufficient that solution or that answer come from the death of jesus christ or the crucifixion of the lord jesus christ at the cross of calvary no matter what background you have no matter what nationality you are or whatever language no matter you are a man, a woman, you're young or old, we all have some burden in life. We may have financial burden, we may have job burden, all the burdens we have in life on this earth. And all these burden or needs are met by one solution, and it's only God's solution, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Only one. And this solution is given to us by grace not because we are good but by grace and we receive this solution through faith we need to believe and receive by faith Isaiah chapter 56 verse 3 now I want to emphasize I just start with what is the cause of all the troubles on earth right now why we see all the troubles on earth all the burdens all the problems the death the sickness Poverty and broken relationship, accident, all kinds of problems on earth. In Isaiah 53 verse 6, let's look at the root cause first before we go into the solution. The root cause of the problem. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us have turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We all human beings, no matter who you are, no matter what background you have, we all have one common problem or root problem. Maybe you never rob a bank, you never commit adultery, you never kill anybody, or you never steal from anybody. You may lie a little bit here and there, you may gossip here and there. Some of you may say, oh, I never gossip. But you may be mad at somebody and you want to Stab the knife on that person. You think that is sin already. Even though we may have different kinds of sin or commit different kinds of sin, but there's one common sin, a one common problem, a root problem that every human being have done. And that is in Isaiah 53. The Bible says, We all have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. Many times in our life, 
we all do the same thing is that we turn to our own way. We don't listen to God. We don't call. We don't care what God say. I'm gonna do my own way. I'm gonna have my own thoughts. I'm the boss of my own life. I don't care what other people think. I'm gonna do my own way. This is one common problem of the whole humanity, including me. Sometimes I do my own way as well. So, and the Bible continues to say, and the Lord, mean the Father, has laid on him. Him means Jesus, the iniquity of us all. The word iniquity here came from the Hebrew word. The Hebrew word for iniquity is avon. A v o n. The word avon from the Hebrew language, which is translated into English, iniquity, means two things. Number one, it means rebellion or disobedience. That's number one. Number two, it means the evil consequences or the punishment of the disobedient and rebellion. One short word, a v o n, means so much. Mean the wrong thing we do, and the consequences of the wrong thing we do. Now, can I read a few scripture to show you that a v o n was translated into different scripture in a different way? Avon, the punishment or the evil consequences. In Genesis chapter 4 verse 13, Cain talked like this: "My punishment is greater than I bear." You remember Cain? Cain killed his brother Abel, and after that, God punished him. And the word he say, "My punishment is greater than I can bear." The word punishment here is Avon, which. Translate iniquity, rebellion, and disobedience, and the punishment of the rebellion. In Leviticus chapter 16, verse 22, we're going to study Bible together today. The God shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited uh, un land, and He shall release the God. In the wilderness, in that generation, in the times of the Old Testament, God commanded the children of Israel to bring a scapegoat, and the person will confess sin on that scapegoat, and that goat will receive iniquity, or the sin of that person, and the punishment of sin of that person, and then release that goat into the wilderness, and that goat will never come back. Get out of here. This is a picture, or the prefigured of the Lord Jesus Christ, that He took our sin, and it was taken away by the death of the cross. So the word here itself, all their iniquities is avon. That scapegoat received both the disobedience and the punishment of the disobedience on that scapegoat one time, and chased out of the. City. Let's look at another one in Lamentation chapter four, verse six and twenty-two. The punishment of the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the punishment of the sin of Sodom. Both of this is Avon, Avon, Avon. The punishment of the iniquity, the punishment of the sin. 
which was overthrown in a moment, with no hand to help her. Verse 22. The punishment of your iniquity, Avon, is accomplished, O daughter of Zion. You see, this one, Lamentation chapter 4, interpret or translated Avon into the punishment of the iniquity. Okay? So, this is the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. Our iniquity was put on Jesus. Not just only our rebellion, but include the punishment of our rebellion. And that was mentioned in Isaiah 53 verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he has none, done no violence, nor was any deceit is in his mouth. Jesus never sinned even one time while he was walking on earth. He never sinned. But he took your Avon, your iniquity, your rebellion, my rebellion. We walk our own way. We don't listen to God. How many people agree that sometimes we run our own life and we never listen to God? Yeah. If you don't raise your hand, it means that you're perfect. You never make mistake. Okay? We sometimes make mistake like that. And Jesus came into our place or on our behalf. And he took or endured the rebellion, the sin, and the punishment of our sin on himself. Or I want to change the word, evil consequences. The reason right now you look around you, the whole world is full of problems. Sickness, disease, poverty, divorce, fighting, accident, failure, all kinds of problems. All these evil consequences come from rebellion against God. Or we can call another word curses. All come from the rebellion against God. And what happened at the cross? Thank you, Jesus. This is wonderful. At the cross, Jesus took our iniquity. Iniquities with S. He took our rebellion and the evil consequences on himself, on that cross. And then what happened? He offered us the good that is due to him, to us. He took the bad that is due to us, or belong to us, because we turn our way from God, turn to our own way. We turn our back on God, and do our own things. And we need to face evil consequences by the justice of God. But because of the grace and the love of God, He put that bad thing, evil thing, on Jesus. And then He offered us, hey, take the good. Take the good from Jesus. Jesus never sinned. Therefore, Jesus never have to face evil consequences. In other words, there is an exchange happened at the Calvary, at the cross. God's character never changes. His character is that he is full of love and he is full of justice. Everyone say love, love. Justice. justice. 
Because of God's justice, when you do wrong, you have to pay the price. When you drive on the freeway too fast, you get a ticket, you pay the price. Justice. You cannot argue. You do wrong. Because we have done wrong, we pay the price. We face evil consequences. But because of God's love, Jesus took that punishment or the price we have to pay on himself. And then he said, okay, here, somebody already paid for you. So the justice is done. The justice is done. Somebody pay for you. I like this kind of story that a man did some crime. He was arrested and he came to the court and the judge was his dad. So after investigation, he was found to be guilty. So he said, okay, I need to go to jail or I have to pay $200,000 to pay for this judgment. He admitted his fault. The judge said, you have to pay. The judge was his dad. And after that, the judge himself wrote a check, $200,000, gave to him and said, I pay for you. That's what happened to the Lord. We need to pay because we did something wrong. We are rebellious. We are disobedient to the Lord. And we need to pay. But by the love of God, He paid for us. He offered the good things to us. Are we going to take it? That is the grace of God. And we receive by faith. In conclusion, after we talk about Avon, talk about iniquity, the cross, in conclusion, we're going to learn in this afternoon and tonight that the evil came upon Jesus. And the corresponding good that Jesus deserved come upon us. There is an exchange. He takes the bad and we get the good. After you learn this, I pray you love Jesus even more than before. Because he was the person who took the bad from you and want to bless you. Let's look at the first one, the first exchange. In Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5. Let's look at the first exchange. The Bible says, Surely he took up our infirmities. Infirmities mean sickness and disease. And carried our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God. Him means Jesus. Jesus was beaten by the Father. Smitten by him, by the Father. And afflicted. This Isaiah 53 is a prophecy concerning what happened to Jesus at the cross. This Bible was written 700 years before Jesus was hung on the cross. The prophecy about Jesus dying on the cross was done before the cross was invented in the world. The cross was invented by the Roman Empire. And at that time, Isaiah, when he wrote this scripture, the Roman Empire was not there yet. 700 years. And the Bible talks about Jesus took all this thing on himself. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, for our avon. The chastisement, the punishment for our peace was upon him, upon Jesus. And by his stripes, we are healed. Amen. These two verses 
of Isaiah 53 talk about two exchanges. One is spiritual, and one another one is physical. What is spiritual? Two truths here. Number one, the first one, the exchange. On the cross, Jesus was punished. Jesus was smitten. He was stricken. He was wounded. In the old time, when people commit crime, the criminal will get whipped, and the body will be cut in many wounds. They would be beaten or whipped for the punishment. So Jesus was punished for us for our iniquities. Spiritually, Jesus was punished so that we can receive God's forgiveness. By justice, we should be punished because we all have done wrong. I have done wrong in my life. So many, so many wrong things I have done in my life. Even today, I still sometimes has done something wrong because I'm human being. I'm not perfect. I'm not God, and I deserve punishment. But Jesus was punished so that I can be forgiven. And after I'm forgiven, then I can have relationship with the Father again. When I sin, I offend the Father. But when I'm forgiven, my relationship restore with the Father. Then I can pray again. Then He listen to my prayer again. In Romans chapter five, verse one. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of His sacrifice, He was punished for us. We are forgiven, and we can have personal relationship with the Father. The peace between the Father and us come back again. How many people are parents in this room? What happened when your kids disobey you, or broke something in your house? Oh, you cannot look at each other's eyes. You're so mad. You may pull out the belt and want to hit, or you give them the time out, put them in the room, and say, "You sit here for half an hour." But when he says sorry to you, when your kid says sorry to you, I'm sorry. I make mistake, and you say, "Okay, I forgive you. I paid a price for you. That broken thing, I will buy it again. Don't worry about it." Then peace come back between the parents and the kid. That's what happened when we receive the death of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. We are forgiven. Our relationship with God is restored. Peace come back. So that is the. Spiritual part of exchange. The second part, the Bible say, by His stripes we are healed. That is a physical application of the exchange at the cross. So, in other words, Jesus became sick. Jesus took our infirmities. He was bruised on the inside. He was wounded. He became sick. Let me ask this question: If somebody cut on your arm right now, have a big cut. Uh, yesterday, I talked to somebody that he played football and 
he broke his finger and the bone broke and came out to his finger, poked out to the skin. My patient told me yesterday I saw one my patient, and I talk about fusion of the neck and how the bone look like, and he said, "Yeah, I have seen the bone because my bone broke to my finger," and he ran to the hospital to fix it, to put the bone back, to sew the wound, everything. So when you talk about cutting, breaking, you think about going to the emergency room. Is that correct? You need to go to emergency room. You need to see a doctor. You cannot just leave it alone like that forever. You need to have it fixed. So this is sickness or disease. You are sick because of the trauma. Jesus was traumatized. He was sick, so that we can be healed, and that is confirmed in the New Testament in Matthew chapter eight, sixteen to seventeen. When evening had come, they brought to him to Jesus. Many who were demon possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word. I like that. Just one word. Get out. Maybe just look and say out like this. One word. I like to cast out demon that way. I don't need to talk too much. And healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities. And bore our sickness. This is the exchange that happened two thousand plus years ago. Jesus took our sickness and offered to us healing and divine health. Amen. Since I and Pastor Da became a Christian, the sickness is gone one by one. I used to be sick with many things, and then one by one, God healed me supernaturally. Since we become a Christian and run the church as a pastor, we have seen so many divine healing. People got healed by God. It's very simple prayer, simple command: get out of here, sickness. People got healed supernaturally. Not because I'm a great prayer warrior. Not because I'm a great pastor. You know, they got healed because by the stripes of Jesus Christ. Every time I pray for my own healing. Every time I pray for my members' healing, I always have the imagination this way in my mind. I see the picture in my mind that sickness go to the cross on the body of Jesus two thousand years ago, and that person receive healing from Jesus and say, "Heal right now." Amen. One time I pray for a Japanese student in my house. This Japanese student have back pain for a long time. So when I lay hand on this Japanese student, I have a picture seeing. Okay, back pain. Go to body of Jesus right now. Two thousand years ago, and then Jesus, you don't need to be sick because you never sin. You give her divine health. After I put my hand out from her back, she said the pain is gone. She was healed completely. Amen? Amen. We can see healing again and again in our life in the church, and you receive it by faith. You need to believe that by His stripes. You are healed, amen? amen. We receive everything by faith, and it's given to us by grace, amen. amen. That's why this teaching is important to keep you healthy. First Peter two twenty four, he himself bore our sin in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You can quote this scripture. Again and again, for your own healing, 
by his wounds, by his stripes, I am healed. When you pray for your mother, when you pray for uh, the brother and sister in the church, you are healed by the stripes of Jesus Christ, because He took that sickness on Him. Amen. Amen. So that is the first two exchange. Are you glad? Yes. He took your sickness. Are you glad? Amen. I'm so glad. He took your sin. He took the punishment so that you can be forgiven. You can walk around no guilt anymore. I am forgiven. Hey, God forgive me. I can smile. I can have relationship with God again. And two, God healed me. God can heal me in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now let's look at another exchange in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 10. Isaiah 53:10. Are you learning something? Do you believe this? Yes. It's not my own word. This is in the scripture. It's all in the Bible. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. It was the Father's will to crush Jesus and to cause Jesus to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life, actually another version say, make his soul a guilt offering, he will see his offspring, which means all of us who believe in Jesus, and belong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. This scripture talks about the sin offering. In the time of Moses, God gave Moses the commandments of the law. We call the law, the Old Testament law, to the Jewish or the Hebrew people. At that generation, Jesus was not born, was not on earth yet. There was thousand years before Jesus came into the world. And people in that generation also sin, like you and me, like make some mistake. So what happened every single year, a person who recognized that he sinned against God or she sinned against God will bring a sin offering, such as a sheep, a goat, a bull, or some kinds of animal to the temple before the priest. And then that person will confess his sin or her sin upon that animal, sacrificial animal or the sin offering. And then the priest proclaim that this sin is put on this animal right now. And after that, that animal was killed. That animal died for the sin of that person. That animal took the sin of that person that confessed the sin on that animal. This animal is symbolic of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible called Jesus the Lamb of God. He is the Lamb. He is the sacrificial person, Lamb of God. He took your sin on his body, just like those animals in the time of Moses. This ceremony is a foreshadow of what Jesus would do on the cross for all of us. And our sin was transferred into the soul of Jesus Christ. And the outcome is that he had to die on the cross. In Isaiah 53 verse 12, the Bible says, He poured out his soul unto death. After his soul bore our sin, he just died because of our sin. Everyone say, Jesus... Jesus. Took, my sin. took my sin. Second Corinthians 5.21 Second Corinthians 
the New Testament talk about Jesus took our sin. God made him Jesus, who had no sin. Jesus never sinned to be sin for us. The sin of the whole world, the whole universe, the whole humanity, from every generation, from Adam to the last man who could be born on the earth, was put on Jesus, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So the first two we learn, He took our punishment, so that we can have peace or forgiveness of God. Two. He took our sickness so that we would be healed. Thank God, the exchange. Number three, he took our sin so that we can receive the righteousness of God. That's why after you become a truly born again Christian, we don't call you sinner anymore. We call you saints. Saints die. Saint Damon, Saint Rael, Saint Nika. You are the saint of God. You are cleansed. You receive the righteousness of God. Okay, you are not a sinner anymore because your sin was placed on Jesus Christ, and the righteousness of God comes upon you. Not your own righteousness. Your righteousness. Cannot be compared to God's righteousness. God's righteousness never knows sin. Perfect righteousness. So after you become a Christian, every time you confess your sin, you believe in His sacrifice. You remember this: I am righteous. Hallelujah. And God listened to my prayer. You are not a sinner anymore. Amen. You are the saint of God. Amen. Amen. God will listen to your prayer because by faith. The righteousness of God comes upon you. Amen. Jesus was made sin by the Father. He took our sin, so that we may become righteous with His righteousness. That is a third exchange. Everyone say, "He took the punishment, took the punishment. so that I can be forgiven." Everyone say, "He took my sickness, so I can be healed." Number three, he took my sin, and I receive his righteousness. There is an exchange here, okay? Number three, what else that God gave to us at the cross? Wow, I love this. I love to hear what Jesus did for me. The next one is this. Let's look at Ezekiel eighteen four first. Ezekiel eighteen four. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son, is mine. Mine mean God. The soul who sins shall die. Okay, let me read James chapter one verse fifteen. Then, when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. This is the principle that we cannot change. The universal principle of God: sin causes death. Sin causes death. That's why, because I know the Bible, 
I don't want to sin. Because even though God forgive me, but if I keep sinning, that's why James say, if I keep sinning, my sin is full grown. I'm gonna bring death to myself. So we have to be careful. If you walk by your flesh, you will reap death and corruption. If you walk by the Spirit, that's why I want to build a church that people follow the Holy Spirit, Hallelujah. not following the flesh. Amen? Amen. So if you follow the flesh, you bring death to yourself. Like if you get drunk, you go out and drive the car accident, you died on the car accident. Who caused that death? You yourself. Because you keep getting drunk and you get into trouble. Even as a believer, let me share carefully. Even as a believer, if you continue in sin, you don't want to stop. This universal principle will continue to work. You continue to work. If you keep sinning, eventually that sin will bring death to your life on earth. You may not go to hell. You go to heaven because Jesus already paid for you. He forgives you. But it will bring death to your relationship, to your money, to your health. Lately, I have a long conversation with my friend in the church about how to eat. And as a doctor, now I understand why one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit is self-control. If you don't control yourself in eating, you can die sooner. Serious, you can die sooner. In the medical field, when you have the BMI that is very high, you know BMI mean. How many people know? Body mass index. Body mass index mean if I'm this tall, but my weight is high, I die sooner. The more weight you have, with the size of your body, you bigger. Definitely, you have more weight because the bone is bigger. Your body is bigger, but when your body is one size, but your body mass index is big, which means that you eat too much. Where does it come from? Where does those come from? It will not just happen suddenly. Boom! My tummy come out. My body is big. It comes from lack of self-control. You eat too much. You eat. Unnecessary thing. And what happened? You die sooner. That's why sin of lack of self-control will cause death. Die soon. Sickness. You, if you eat, actually today it's very sad that we are in the society that eating is a big deal. To the point that the people have sickness and problem, high cholesterol, heart attack and stroke, all these things. You know, most of the sickness on earth come from eating habit. Do you know that? Because of the lack of self-control. You need to control yourself when you eat. <laughs> I know that you don't like this message now. Pastor Lau, you're not my favorite pastor anymore. You, you talk, you hit my heart to song today. You don't like to hear this message. Self-control. Okay, let me look at this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the sufferings of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Jesus did not have to die, 
but he died on the cross. After he took the punishment, he took the sin on his body. He tasted death. He died our death, because we all have sin against God. And then he offers us what eternal life. Romans chapter six verse twenty three. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is the exchange. Because man sin against God, man not only die on earth, but man will have eternal death in another place. You know what that place I'm talking about. I don't want to emphasize that word. I want to emphasize heaven. So man cannot live forever in heaven because man sin. And when we receive the death of Jesus, there is exchange. Our eternal death was given to him, and then we receive eternal life that we can go to heaven and live in heaven for eternity. Amen. Amen. And not only that, on earth here he say. The thief has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy, but I have come to give you super abundant life. Actually, the life of God started now, not in heaven. You can experience heaven on earth if you obey Him and walk in righteousness, follow Him, and do what is right in His eyes. You can experience heaven on earth. Jesus. Taught the disciple in Luke chapter 11 how to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Amen. Pastor Dan, I have experienced some portion of heaven on earth right now. In our family, our kids, our grandkids, our life is like heaven. Because we live in, by faith and we obey God what we do. We don't want to sin. The life of God flow into us. The exchange happened, amen? amen. So that is number what, number four. What is number one? Review one more time. He took my punishment so that I can be forgiven. Two, he took my sickness so that I will be. Three, what else? He took our sins so that we can receive his. Four, he died our death so that we might have. Eternal life and super abundant life. Okay, let's go to number five, and then we continue this evening. Number five. Let's look at Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse nine. Second Corinthians eight nine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Everyone say the grace. The grace. Oh, the Bible emphasizes grace a lot, huh? Hallelujah. The grace of our Lord. We don't deserve it, but by His love, His mercy. He gave good things to us. That though he was rich, who is he? Jesus. Jesus was God. Jesus was God. He was so rich. He owned the whole universe. He owned the cattle on the thousand hills. Yet for your sake, he became poor. That you, through his poverty, might become rich. This is the fifth exchange. Jesus became poor, so that Christians, Jesus' disciple, his followers, 
the born again Christians can be rich. How many people like to be rich? Raise your hand up. Let me look. How many people like to be rich? If you don't raise your hand, you need a brain transplant. For sure. Okay. Jesus became poor so that we can be rich. The question is, when did Jesus become poor? It's a question. A lot of people have misunderstanding that throughout his 33 plus years of his life on earth, he was poor all the time. That is not true. He was a carpenter's son. He has his own business. He was not poor. He never lacked any good things while he was doing the ministry. And when he sent his disciples out to preach the gospel to heal the sick, when they came back, he asked them, let me read Luke chapter 22, verse 35. And he said to them, Jesus said to the disciple, when I send you without money back, knapsack and sandals, did you lack anything? So they said, nothing. He himself and the disciple lacked nothing. They were not poor. They had more than enough. And Jesus was well-to-do. He has more than enough to the point that the Bible said that he gave to the poor. You remember one time when um, Judas Iscariot was mad at a lady who poured the perfume on his head and said, oh, this is a waste. Why don't we sell to have give money to the poor? Because Jesus gave to the poor all the time. If you want to be like Jesus, you need to give to the poor on a regular basis. Okay? Give to the poor. But actually, Judas was not having a right attitude. He wanted to steal that money. He was a thief. He was a, I'm going to read that scripture in John chapter 12 and John chapter 13 about Judas Iscariot. I was thinking that, wow, if Judas was in that generation, there might be some people in the church that have the same attitude today. Cheat God's money. I will not do that at all. I will not cheat even one penny from God. I want to be the right kind of disciple. So God gave, Jesus gave money to the poor. And let me ask this. You think money that comes from the bank and money comes from the mouth of the fish can be used to buy things? It's the same money. Jesus' way of obtaining money is unconventional. He got money from the mouth of the fish. If he lacked, he just pulled out one fish and pulled the money out of the fish. Not only that, when he fed 5,000 men and include, and also women and kids, children, he fed them with five loaves and two fish. He multiplied. He never lacked. He could feed 5,000 men and also women and children. And not only that, they have 12 baskets full left over. I like the name of God. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. He's a God of 12 baskets full left over. He's a God that almost sinks the boat because too much fish in the boat. He is a cup running over God. When he pours something in you, it will not just at the brim of the top of the glass. It will run over. He's that kind of God. He always gives more than enough. He's a rich God. Amen? Amen. So, it's not true 
that Jesus was poor at all. Actually, Jesus may not carry millions of dollars each day, but he had abundance in his ministry. He had more than enough. Now the question is, when did Jesus became poor? So let's look at the definition of poverty first. Let's look at the definition of poverty. The definition of poverty is in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 48. Deuteronomy 28, verse 48. Okay, poverty is one of the curses. Therefore, you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, in thirst, in nakedness, in need of everything. He will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. So four things. Poverty means number one, in hunger. Two, in thirst. Three, in nakedness. Four, in need of everything. In need of everything. When was Jesus hungry? When was he thirsty? When was he naked? And when was he in need of everything? When? On the cross. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled, and said, I thirst. At the cross, Jesus could not even drink one drop of water. He was so thirsty. He did not have water to drink for many hours, actually. After he got arrested, he got beaten, he got nailed to the cross, he did not eat anything. He did not drink anything. He did not eat food for 24 hours before he died. He was hungry and he was thirsty. John chapter 19, verse 23. Then the soldier, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts, to each soldier apart, and also the tunic. Now the tunic was without seam, woven from the top in one piece. His cloth, clothing was taken away. His clothing was stripped out. He was naked on the cross. No cloth, no water, no food. At that time, did Jesus own anything? Nothing. Do you know that he was put in the tomb that he borrowed? The tomb of a rich man named Joseph. That was not even his own tomb. Even the clothing that they put on his body to bury him was not his clothing. They borrowed from somebody else. Joseph donated to him. So Jesus was poor. Where? At the cross. Again, I emphasize one more time. That one extraordinary event of the human history changed people's life. On that cross, he took our punishment so that we can be forgiven. On that cross, he took our sickness so that we can be healthy. I expect to live a healthy life Amen. until old age. I don't expect sickness at all. Every morning I woke up, I confess. By his stripe, I'm healed. Amen. I'm not going to be sick. I'm going to live a long life, strong, travel all over the world to preach the gospel. Three, 
He took my sin so that I can have the righteousness of God. I'm a righteous man by the righteousness of God. Four. What else? He took my death so that I can have eternal life. Five. He became poor so that I might be rich. You receive it by faith. And this is a conclusion in Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse eight. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. I like that word, grace and abound. Abound means more than enough. Grace that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every. Good work. As believers, we can have faith. We obey God. We walk by faith, and we can expect the abundant grace of God to work in our life. That we can have sufficiency of all things and superabundance for every single good work that God calls us to do. We will not live in debt, in poverty. It may not happen overnight. If you walk with God long enough, you're gonna be rich. Amen? Amen. And that has been proven in my own church. I have so many people who walk into my church with debt, no job. I have one American lady who came into my church just lately, just six months ago. She's a brand new believer. She's very poor. She has to work for a. Company that send food to people house and very poor, and after she accepted Christ, she came to our church and care group. Now she got a job at Boeing. Amen. Amazing, Amen. good job. Amen. God can take care of you. Oh, I don't want to talk about this too much. It's so many many blessing to the members of my church. So many financial blessing come in because they believe in Jesus. They're people of faith. They give high. They serve God, and they believe that. They will never be poor, and God bless them. God gave them so much. Amen? Amen. We need to understand that the reason God make you rich is not for the selfish reason. Let's look at Acts last scripture for this sermon, and we continue tonight. Acts twenty thirty five. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus Himself say, it is more blessed to give than to receive. He provide for us through the poverty of Jesus, the exchange, so that we will have abundance, not only to cover our own expenses, but we'll have leftover to give Amen. to bless others. You remember what God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter twelve? He said, "Abraham, I'll bless you. I'm going to bless you." So that you can bless the nations. God did not say, "I will bless you so that you will be selfish and sit on your pile of money and live for yourself." No, I bless you so that you can bless the nation. Jesus became poor so that we might be rich, and so that we can enjoy the greater blessing. What is the greater blessing? Giving. And 
building the kingdom. You can fly to do mission trip. You can give to the poor. You can help the needy. You can give to the orphans in another country. You can do great things for God because you have so much left over. I mean, you can eat what you have. You have to give out so much money. That is the will of God. I'm not a prosperity preacher. Don't take me wrong, but I believe in the word. The word of God say we can become rich, so that we can give and do the right things. Actually, a while ago, Pastor Toy asked me, "Can you come up to do offering?" I declined, even though I can do it, and I can speak half an hour offering, and you. May be convinced by me to give more, but I don't do it because I'm not here for your money. I'm here to teach you. Amen. If you want to give, it's between you and God. I'm not gonna try to make you give. If you give because you are convinced by the word yourself, you love God. Amen. I'm not that kind of preacher who come and manipulate people to give. No. You will give out of love because you love God. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, how many of them now? Six. Is that right? How many? One. Five only. Okay, five. Number one. What? Let's review one more time. He was punished so that we can be forgiven and we can have peace with God. Two. He took our sickness so that we can be healed. Three. He took our sin so that we can receive His righteousness. Four. He took our death so that we can have eternal life and super abundant life. Five, he became poor so that we might be rich. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about the rest. That what exchange happened at the cross. Wow, going to be fun tonight. More, more things to learn. How many people learn something new today? How many people say, from now on I believe all these things belong to me. How do you receive it? By faith. How do you build faith? Oh, how? Now, God gives you by grace. Now, the question is, how do, you, how do you build your faith to receive? Hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Thank God for the technology. Thank God for the YouTube. Thank God for the internet that you can hear again and again to build your faith. I noticed that people who listen to the Word of God all the time usually are not sick because they have so much faith. And usually they do well financially because they have so much faith. They have to do the homework to listen and listen and listen to build the faith. Who else that make you have faith? Second, number one, listening to the Word. Number two, Holy Spirit. That's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because the Spirit is the Spirit of faith. And when you fill with Him, you have more faith on the inside of you. What else? Number three. <laughs> Can you answer? How to build your faith? Number one, the Word. Listen to the Word. Two, fill with the Holy Spirit. Number three. <laughs> Pastor Dano. She can look at my eyes and she can guess. Number three, you Hang out with or associate with people of faith. Don't be around people who are doubtful and talk negative and complain and 
No, no. You hang around with people who speak faith. Because you hear, you hear them speak, and you see their life. You have the testimony. Wow! When they have faith, who good thing happened? Then your faith is built up. That's why the disciple, when they hang out with Jesus, they have so much faith. They saw Jesus cast out demon, but one word, go. When they see that, wow! I need to have this faith. It's built up when you hang out with the pastor and leaders and the church. It's full of faith. Okay, don't go to church. They talk doubt. Don't hang around with Christians who talk doubt. Then you're gonna be doubtful like them. You need to be around people who have faith. Amen. Association. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> How many people experience what I have preached today? The five things. How many people experience this? Five things. Amen. How many people really give you financial breakthrough? Give you a job or something? That get you out from poverty. Yes, amen. amen. How many people got healed by God supernaturally? Yes, amen. God healed you. Praise amen. God. Hallelujah. How many people feel that you are more clean now? You are righteous. You are not a sinner anymore. Amen. Praise God. I just want to make sure that you receive all these things that Jesus has done for you. And the first step. Is to receive Him into your life. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Yes. He died on the cross for you. He paid a price for you. He took the evil consequences or your iniquities on Him, and He offered you good things. He will not force His way into your life. You need to open your door and say, "Jesus, please come in." I want to give that opportunity to you. And it's very easy to do. Very simple. You just talk to him, and say, "Lord, I surrender to you. I give my life to you. Please come into my life. I open the door of my life. You come in. I repent of my sin. I will get right with you from today on. You died for me. You were crucified to give me good things." You took my evil consequences or the iniquity away, and I want to receive from you. If you want to do that, I like to lead you to prayer. Amen? Amen. How many people want Jesus in your life? Raise your hand up. Keep your hand up and pray with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much. You love me. You send your Son. To be crucified, to take evil's consequences, the punishment, the iniquities for me. Lord, I admit it, Lord. I have turned away from you, off and on, um, for a long time. Now I turn. Back to you. I want to be your child. Receive me, Lord, into your kingdom. Become my father. O oh Lord, I believe and confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of the Living God, the Lamb of God. 
the scapegoat who took my sin away, took my sickness. Lord Jesus, you were raised from the dead on the third day. Come into my life. Become my God and my Savior. I believe my sins are forgiven, and my name is recorded in the book of life. I have eternal life. Because I'm born again, I'm a real Christian. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I wonder, any one of you who is a believer or new believer and has never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Before Jesus went to the cross, in Luke chapter 24, verse 49, he said to the disciple, these disciples were believers. He said to them, don't go out of the city. Wait for me in Jerusalem, in the upper room, because I will pour my spirit on you so that you can be filled with the power from on high. And that's what God still command people today. That after we born again, we believe in Jesus, we receive salvation. We're going to talk about salvation tonight. I'm going to explain to you what salvation means through the cross. After we receive salvation, we have not died yet. We still live on earth. And this earth is full of evil, demons, sickness, all kind of bad people, all kind of evil things on earth. We cannot live on earth by our own strength. We need the power of God in order to fight against the enemy, to fight against sin and the system of the world. Therefore, he commands every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But only believer, if you're not believer, you cannot be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you are believers who never been filled with the Holy Spirit, I'd like to lead you to pray, lay hand on you, to get you filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if you're those people, I'd like to ask you, maybe come out, I can pray for you. Pray for those who never been filled with the Holy Spirit. But you must be a believer. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.